What a blessing to have the, the choir lead with that joy and, and celebration and, and uh, put their hearts into that. Thank you, and thank you, Pam, for your, uh, your leadership. And uh, it's a joy to be together. And I'm thankful to be back. It's, it's been a great day already. It's a beautiful day, and we thank the Lord for it. And, and as Pam said earlier, yes, it is. It's Christmas season. We're really uh, headlong going into it now, and, and praise the Lord for it. And it's a time of celebration, uh, a great, great time. And uh, I'm very, very thankful to be here and thankful for you. And pray that you've had a good week this week, that you've seen God's hand in your life, that uh, he has made himself very real to you. Not, not just something we think about on church days when we're in this building, but every single day when we see God's presence and we understand, and uh, as uh, we talked about in the Sunday school hour, when we've got, got reason and cause and opportunity to celebrate and to share, to pass on the good news. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful today. I, uh, Friday I was doing a little project down in Lumberton with our disaster relief folks, and and I wasn't paying attention, and I backed off, kind of walked off the side of some steps, and I went tumbling out in the yard, uh, sprained my ankle, and I am thankful I had a piece of plywood in my hands because that allowed me to, you know, kind of brace myself before I went down and didn't get hurt. And uh, when I, I heard something pop, I was laying on the ground, and I thought, I hope that was the plywood and not my foot that just broke. <laughs> and it was. It just, I sprained it a little bit, but I'm, I'm getting along fine today. I'm not hobbled so much so praise the lord uh, you know that it could have been so much worse and and it made me think all of the times in life that little things happen to us and we you know we let it go by that it, it could have been a lot worse and uh, somebody was telling me this week about their life and i don't remember the details of the the guy's story but he made the comment he said when i was younger and when i did some some really really dumb things and he was actually talking about uh, some folks who had taken a, a backhoe and, and lifted the bucket up and then put a stepladder in it and then put an extension ladder on top of the stepladder and it climbed up in a tree. That's not smart. <laughs> you know, but he was recounting it and you know, nobody got hurt. And he said, praise the Lord. He said, now I'm not 20 years old anymore, so I wouldn't do it now and shouldn't have done it then. But God's protected you and me both over and over and over again. Amen. And uh, we've got a reason to praise Him. And, and uh, so every day is a gift from God. And uh, this is one of them. Uh, this morning, I, I want us to look at a, a passage of Scripture beginning the, the Christmas story, one of the, the earlier accounts, but Matthew chapter 1. So if you're reading through the Gospels, it's the first one recorded. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. And the word says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed, as his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But... While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you shall bring forth a son, and you shall name his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, did not know her, till she brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Bow with me together now as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful, thankful for who you are, thankful for what you do, for the blessings you give in life, and this time of year, uh, we're reminded in particular of the great gift you gave of your Son. As we march toward Jerusalem in these next few weeks and uh, come up to Christmas Day, God help the gift you gave to be incredibly real, more real than ever in our lives, that we will understand what you did and understand what you ask of us. Uh, Give us courage. Help us to hear now as we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things you'll hear in the next few weeks, three weeks and, and one day, I guess, is people will ask you, well, are you ready for Christmas? Now, at this point, probably not. You probably haven't done everything, and typically when somebody asks you that, they're thinking particulars. They're thinking, have you done all of your shopping? Have you written all of your Christmas cards, if you still do Christmas cards? Have you got your calendar set with all of the Christmas parties and the different opportunities and and obligations you've got? Have you done the things that you're supposed to do for Christmas? Are you ready? There's a reason that this is called the busy Christmas season or the hustle and bustle. Because it is busy. We meet ourselves coming and going. And and, and sometimes it's hard to do uh, everything because there's so much going on. The decorations are are maybe put up or maybe you haven't. Uh, I heard someone say this week that uh, a young lady was saying that her parents, he'd been a retired or is a retired pastor, but this is his first Christmas of not being a pastor. And they'd ask her mom, well, have you got your decorations up and She said, no, I always put them up before Thanksgiving because Christmas was just so busy from Thanksgiving through Christmas or New Year's. I didn't have time. That's why I put them up early. Well, now my schedule's not the same, so I put them up in a week or two. Uh, It's a busy, busy time. And sometimes when we think about being ready, we are thinking about the details of it. Uh, One little girl, when she grew up, she tells the story that her parents recounted to her when she got older that when she was just three or four years old, Christmas was coming and mom and daddy were getting ready and daddy was doing the business and the, the obligations and, and mom was doing the cooking and decorating and, and she had obligations through her business as well. And the little girl felt kind of pushed aside. And she said that one of the things she seemed to hear all of the time was, could you move out of the way? So she felt like she was a a burden and that they didn't have time for her. So later on, as Christmas got closer, one night when she was praying, she prayed, Father, forgive us our Christmases as we forgive those who Christmas against us. Now, she'd obviously heard the 
you know, the, the prayer wrong, and she was just a little bitty thing. But one of the things I've heard, you've probably heard it, you might have even said it. Sometimes people will say, I can't wait until Christmas is over because of all the busyness. And sometimes we, we almost miss it. There have been years when, when I've been so busy that it would get a week before Christmas and I would even make the comment, I can't believe Christmas is already here. It's, it's just snuck up on us. It's been so busy. And I'm not sure that I'm completely in the, the spirit that God would have me in. Because being ready for Christmas really hasn't got anything to do with decorations or presents or calendars or cards. It's really got to do with the attitude of our heart. Are we ready to celebrate what God gave and the most incredible gift that has ever been given? Sometimes, I, I, as a parent in particular, I'm tempted to think I'm, I'm ready for Christmas when all the presents are bought and, and, and laid out. But ready for Christmas is ready for Christ's coming. And in the, the story that, that we've read, uh, it's, it's an incredible story. This is Joseph's part of the story. Similar uh, message with Mary and, the, and, uh, and Mary's prayer and Mary's visitation by an angel. But this morning, as we march toward Jerusalem, or towards Bethlehem, and we're thinking about the prophets and the prophet's candle that we, we lit just a minute ago and the prophecy that, that Joseph got right here and, and is recounted in verse 23, the virgin shall be with child, bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Think about Joseph for just a minute in this Christmas story. This is a, a young man. Everything's mapped out. Everything's planned out. He and, and Mary are betrothed to be married. So the plans are made. The families have agreed to it. Uh, the, the date's coming up soon. Betrothal could, could last uh, a year or two often. But, but this was a commitment that was made. So it was mapped out. Get married. Live in Nazareth. Maybe if it's a boy, expand the, the carpentry business. And everything, life's going to be good. And our family's going to have a new addition when, when the time comes. And, and we're going to enjoy time in our family. And Mary's an upstanding lady and everybody loves her. And it, life's going to be good. That would have been something like Joseph's plan. But then... Mary has to come up to him and say, I'm pregnant. Imagine what Joseph thought. This lady, the, 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 these things didn't just happen in a moment. So this plan and the families being involved in it, the families agreeing to it, everything looking good, and this is the way life's going to be. And then she walks up, and in a, in a human mindset, he would have to think, she's been unfaithful to me. What happens now? And the Scripture tells us, now, legally speaking, Mary could be and should have been stoned for unfaithfulness if, if they had proved it and, and all, and you, other scriptures you've read about it and seen it. 
So that's what could have happened. So Joseph's thinking, no, I, I love her too much, not going to do that, don't want to humiliate her, don't want to embarrass her, I'm just going to send her away privately. And then an angel comes to him and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, never in the history of the world had that ever happened. Ever. Never. And so the word comes to Joseph, trust her. Contrary to everything you might be thinking, contrary to everything everybody else is going to tell you, This chief, this child is a gift from the Holy Spirit. So what do we learn from Joseph and from Mary on this day? Uh, first of all, one of the lessons we learn from, from what happened here in this story is to obey God no matter what he calls us to do. Now, Joseph, you know, I mean, this was, it was a different culture than ours, but you know what people were telling him to do. Same thing they would say today to do. But the Lord told him to do something different. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Because God did this. Now, it may be true in your life. Maybe you've got a plan in life. And you may be a young person and the plan is, is going forward. You may be older and the plan is something that you planned in the past. But your plans and my plans and God's plans are not always the same thing. Because we don't know the future and we don't know everything. And what God calls us to do is to obey Him. When He gives us direction, then our answer is to be, yes, Lord. Now, as, as we read about Joseph, Joseph, at verse 24, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son, called his name Jesus. Now, Joseph obeyed. He could have said the logical thing, hey, uh-uh, I, I know where babies come from. And yes, it's, it's a gift from God, but no, I, I know how babies happen. But he obeyed God regardless of what logic would say. Because what God was giving him was an incredible gift that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the virgin birth and Mary being the only time that that has ever happened in the history of the world. You know, God may be calling you to something that's not logical by other people's standards or other people's designs or other people's desires. But when God's calling you, he's got a plan for you. And the, the obligation as a believer is to say, yes, Lord. You know, I had a plan in my life when I went in high school. I loved chemistry, loved science, loved math. And uh, so I, I went to college and majored in chemical engineering. And my plan, to be perfectly honest, was to make a lot of money. Now, that was my plan. It was quite simple. 
as it went along, and I, I felt God dealing with my heart and, and didn't feel quite comfortable that I was doing the right thing. I looked at a lot of things. Out there Back then, you had a book about that thick that had all the different courses and, and opportunities at, at Clemson. I read it many times looking for something that I thought I would like more. And there wasn't anything in there that I thought I'd like more. So for my last two years in college, I basically fought God. I didn't fully understand what he was calling me to do, but I didn't fully understand because I wasn't really willing to do it. I had my plan, and my plan was a good plan by my book, and, and my grades were okay. I wasn't straight A's, but I, I did pretty well. So, I mean, it's, hey, it's working. But then a day came on a Sunday. It was actually April 29th, 1984. After two years of struggling and interviewing with companies and going back to my room from the interview and thinking, I hope they don't offer me the job because I don't want it. And thinking, well, what, what have I done for four years? Prepare for this and now I don't want to do it. And so my prayer finally came on that day, sitting in church in the middle section, kind of toward the back but not at the back. And I don't remember what the pastor preached on. I didn't hear one word the man said because my, my spirit was in agony. And that day, sitting in church, I just simply prayed, Lord, I don't know what it is you want me to do, but if you'll show it to me, I promise you I'll do it. And it was that simple. That was the prayer. A couple hours later, I was sitting on my bed in my dorm room reading the Greenville News sports section. And I don't know, April, I mean, I don't know what was going on uh, that time of year, but I was reading the newspaper. And it was like a light bulb, just like it was a light bulb moment. And I remember I folded up the paper and I laid it on my bed. And I said, God, if, you, if that is what you want me to do, if you want me to be a pastor, I promise you I'll do it and I'll do it. And my life changed that day. Now, there are people since then, and I had one of my professors who, on my day of graduation, told me I was a fool. He said, you spent all this time preparing. The world's out in front of you. You'll never amount to anything, is what he said. You're throwing it all away. That guy was so wrong. He didn't know what he was talking about. He wasn't a believer. And he really didn't understand because, you see, I didn't give up anything. I gained the world. Because th there's a peace that happens when you surrender to God and do whatever it is he calls you to do. You can't buy that with money. Now, your story's going to be different than mine. The details are going to be different, but not the overarching theme of it. We've got a plan in our lives that sometimes we want to push that plan through because we can. We can make it happen a lot of times. But if it's not God's plan, you're going to have that same uneasiness that I had. Or even worse, you might be like Joseph. Imagine Joseph saying, no, I'm going to send her away privately. He would have taken himself out of the will of God and completely removed himself from being able to, to bring up Jesus Christ in his own home.
all because of what things look like on the outside. So obey God no matter what the cost uh, may be. But secondly, learn to care for other people. You know, Joseph's task was, I mean, it was pretty simple. Now, Mary is who had that baby. Mary's the one who carried him around for, for all those months. Mary's the one, you think about the, the night Jesus was born, she's the one that rode a donkey for all those however many miles. Joseph just cared for he made a living. He provided for Jesus. He was in the, in the background a lot of times. You, you think about the nativity scene. You'll put, there's, there's Jesus, the, the manger right there in the center. You've got Mary there a lot of times kneeling down right there at it. You've got the, the wise men with the gold, frankincense, and myrrh giving their gifts. And you've got the shepherds around with their, with their sheep and adoring. And you've got Joseph back there in the background. I mean, typically that's how it is, and that's how it was, honestly. But what Joseph did is he cared for Mary and cared for Jesus, and he, he did what God gave him to do. He was a servant. I had a, a tremendous privilege yesterday. I went to a funeral in, in Rocky Mount for a lady I don't know, never seen her, never met her, but uh, Lavinia Cooper. But I know her son, Anthony. Anthony uh, works down in Lumberton at our uh, disaster relief site, and a wonderful young man. And when I heard last week that, that Anthony's mom had died, she had cancer, and Anthony sent me a text message, and I sent back to Anthony. I said, I don't know your mama, but I know the boy she raised. And she had to be some kind of woman. I went to the funeral yesterday to, a, again, a woman I've never seen, never met, know absolutely nothing about her. And, and to be perfectly honest, I only knew her name after she died. But everybody who stood up, everybody who, who bore witness to this lady, everybody who talked, there were a couple of pastors. She went to two or three different churches and, and was involved in, in ministry. She worked at Walmart. Uh, a lot of different things. Every single person who stood up talked about Lavinia Cooper being a servant. Every single person. How she served, how she served. Into the, the, the service, went out in the parking lot, and, and Anthony uh, Cooper is, is what everybody calls him. Cooper was out standing you know, beside the limousine talking to people, and I honestly got to... You know, walk up to Anthony and say, buddy, I, you know, I sent you a text message and, and I meant it, but I didn't really even know what I was saying. But I've spent two hours. It was two hour service. I said, I've spent two hours hearing people talk about your mama. And now I know why you are the way you are. Because she taught him how to serve. And that's what Anthony is, is a servant. Well, Joseph was a servant. You know, serve Serve other people. Uh, at Christmas, a lot of times we, we look around and, and we see people in need and, and we'll be more generous at Christmas than any other time of the year. Imagine if the, the Salvation Army pot was out in front of Walmart or one of the stores in July. Now, we wouldn't be as prone to drop money in it, honestly, because we're more generous, we're more open, uh, we see more. 
in December than we do the rest of the year. Well, one of the things we learn from Joseph is that, that we need to care for other people. Uh, there's a, a story that I, I read several years back that I, I love it and I think about it a lot of times. But there was a, a couple that had a three-year-old boy named Eric and they, they went to see the, the parents, traveled to see him. It was a year when Christmas was on Sunday. So they spent the weekend with the grandparents for Sunday. They went to church. As soon as church was over, uh, they left. So they were riding, and they, they couldn't find that evening. Any, nothing was open back then you know, a few years ago. Nothing was open. And they finally stopped at a truck stop, and they went in, and they were eating. And while they were eating, they thought nobody was in there, but, but little Eric kept saying to somebody that they couldn't even see, Hi there, hi there, hi there. When they looked around in a little alcove in a corner, there was a guy that he appeared to be homeless. His, his coat was several sizes too big, and his hair was messed up. He was unshaven. His shoes literally had holes in them, and his toes were sticking out. Uh, he, he looked rough. But for some reason, he'd caught Eric's attention. So through the meal, while Mom and Daddy were kind of trying to gobble down their food and get out of there because they wanted to get on the road and, and get home, Eric played hide, uh, uh, peekaboo with the, with the guy. He played from across the room, you know, patty cake, and they're doing the hand things. And Then at the, the dad got up to go pay the bill and, and told the mother, just, just get Eric and let's get out of here. You know, we don't know this guy. And, uh, just uncomfortable. So the, the mother started walking toward the door, and when she walked by that older gentleman, Eric literally leapt out of her arms into that old man's arms. And the guy asked the mom, which it was a, a moot question really, but he said, do you mind if I hold your baby? Well, it was too late because you know, Eric was already in his arms. And the mother said, well, no, go ahead. Well, Eric laid his head on that guy's shoulder and wrapped his arms around him. And that gentleman who very obviously, this is Christmas Day now, he very obviously had nobody in life. Tears just started streaming down his face, just pouring. He held on to Eric for a minute and then he gave Eric back to his mama and he said, thank you for giving me the best Christmas present ever. Now, there are people around you and me who need somebody to care and somebody to love them, somebody to reach out to them, somebody to show them Jesus Christ's love in a tangible way. Well, Joseph just did, we don't know a lot about him, he just did stuff. He did his job and he took his family to Egypt and, and had to travel around. He did whatever he had to to protect and care for his family. For you and me, we need to do whatever God calls us to do to care for the people around us. But then there's a, there's a third thing, and that is that Joseph gave whatever he had to give. In his case, it may have been an income. It was training and how to be a carpenter to Jesus. But he gave what he had. I've shared with you before, there are times I wish I had more than I've got, more skill, more time, more gifts, more of, of everything. 
But God doesn't call us to give what we don't have, but he calls us to give what we do have and to give it away. The reason I, I said I was so honored to be at, at Coop's mama's funeral yesterday, Anthony gives himself away. I mean, this is a guy who, he, he gave up a job to go volunteer with Baptist on Mission. Now, honestly, you know, who would do that? But he did it because God called him to give himself away. So there are people in Lumberton living in, in homes after Hurricane Matthew because Anthony and people like him cared enough to give what they've got. You don't give what you can't you can't give what you don't have, but you can give all you do have to give it away. You know, one of the another Christmas story I, I read a few years back that I, I love and I think about it every year at this time of year was about a, a Sunday school class had a special needs boy in it named Wally. Wally, seventh graders. Wally was, was bigger and, and all than the other kids, but uh, he had had some, uh, his mom had some physical problems and Wally therefore wasn't, uh, his cognitive abilities weren't always the same as everybody else. So that this class, Sunday school class, prepared for their Christmas play and and Wally was given the job of the innkeeper because, you know, the biggest guy, that's kind of a villain's role. So the biggest guy is the one who can tell him, no, you be gone. Be gone. That was all Wally had to do. Be gone. So they come up, Mary and Joseph come up and, and ask for a place to stay. And Wally says, be gone. Be gone. Then Joseph starts making his plea. Oh, my, my wife's pregnant and she's going to have her baby any minute. And, we just need a place to stay. And, you know, Wally, in the account of his play that his, his teacher wrote, it was just silent for a minute. Like he'd forgotten his line. Well, he didn't forget it. He just didn't want to say it. And so in the backstage, you heard somebody prompting him saying, Be gone, be gone. So after a, a few prompts, Wally just real quietly says, Be gone, be gone. So Mary and Joseph walk away in the play, and they're walking away, and they get a few feet away, and Wally says, wait, wait. You can have my room. Well, everybody in that moment thought Wally has ruined the Christmas play. If you're trying to be historically accurate, yes. But if you're trying to be ready for the presence of Christ in your life at Christmas, Wally's who got it. Amen. That you can have my place. You can have what I've got. So see, academically speaking, maybe Wally didn't have the skills that some people had. But for caring for people around him, for sensing the presence of Christ in his life and a willingness to surrender and give himself away, Wally had it better than anybody. For you and for me, being ready for Christmas is really being ready for Jesus Christ to take a step into our lives and us being willing to say to him, Yes, Lord, everything I have is yours. Because you're not just the infant in a manger. You are the infinite king. And you loved us enough to come down where we are and save us. 
when we begin to understand that, then we're ready for Christmas. Amen. Bow with me, please, as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, so thankful for the account of Joseph and Mary and, and the infant Jesus and uh, all the folks who were on the scene on that first Christmas morning. God, this is a, a couple of thousand years later, and this is a different Christmas season. But it is the time we celebrate, and God, we want to be just as responsive to you as Joseph was, as Mary was, and as anybody else on that first Christmas was. We want to be. Help us to obey you. Help us to love and serve others. God, help us to give all that we have and all that we are. We surrender to you as we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our invitation hymn this morning is hymn 105. As we sing, this is your opportunity to respond. If, if you're here and you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ, you've never given him your life, then you, Christmas is, it, honestly, it's an empty holiday. You're just giving stuff away. When you surrender to Jesus Christ, then you can celebrate Christ coming into the world and changing your life. And if you haven't done that, this is the day to do that. Don't, don't wait another moment, and this will be the best Christmas ever. Because it won't just be Christ coming into the world, it'll be your life. If you're here this morning, and, and you're maybe like I was, or, or like a lot of us are, and you haven't obeyed Christ completely, and you begin to feel His call and His touch and His, his pull, this is the time to say to Him, Yes, Lord, anything you say, I'll do it. As we stand to sing Him 105, this is your opportunity to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Yes. Let's stand together as we sing.